Let us begin and and talk uh, about a few different uh, matters. Uh, So we're speaking uh, a bit about uh, belief and doubt and dogma and all these kind of topics. Um, and uh, let's begin. Whoever has theologian blood in his veins has a wrong and dishonest attitude towards all things from the very first. The patus that develops out of this is called faith. The will of God, that is to say, the conditions for preserving the power of the priest has to be known to his end and a revelation is required. In plain words, a great literary forgery becomes necessary. A sacred book is discovered. It is made public with all hieratic pomp, with days of repentance, and with lamentation over the long years of sinfulness. Nietzsche, the Antichrist, seven, 27. Hmm. Well, uh, spicy. <laughs> A very... Uh, A man with uh, a sharp intellect and a, and a cutting pen. Uh -huh. Yeah, so theologian blood. Uh, okay. Uh, what we really... Uh, I saw... something of William James called the will to believe. And I'll take the two together because it's very short. And William James says, our faith is faith in someone else's faith. And in the greatest matters, this is most the case. William James, the will to believe. Back to Nietzsche. Mm. So first of all, the theologian uh, apparently has, is, is operating on, on faith. And faith then becomes something, an opinion about something that cannot be known, a belief in something that cannot be known, uh, or believe in the truth of something that cannot be known. Um, yeah, so, um, the Vaishnavas, they are indeed working with what they consider sacred books, uh, books that are revealed from above. Um, uh, the Vedic scripture claim to be apuruseya, not from men. They claim to, uh, the Vedas are coming forth of the breath of the Supreme, Supreme Lord. Um, so, uh, yeah, considering all this, then um, we are speaking uh, about revealed knowledge. Uh, in the same way, uh, other religious traditions also have their sacred books 
which they also claim are revealed knowledge. When, uh, when atheists like Nietzsche are, uh, are questioning that, that faith uh, and call it a dishonest attitude towards all things from the very first. Oh, one sec, the door opens. Um, Well, in philosophy, there is something called uh, suspension of disbelief. Uh, suspension of disbelief is, is sometimes put aside to understand a whole system of, of belief, all the various arguments and reason. Otherwise, uh, so one temporarily set aside, um, for example, one can say, for argument's sake, just accepting uh, your points. Then, what are your arguments? Yeah. Uh, just accepting that, okay, that would be a God. Now, what are your arguments in support of that? Yeah. So, uh, Yeah, faith. Mm. In, uh, as uh, then James comes and says that faith is really taking someone else's faith, someone else's belief. So where do we stand? We are in Vedic tradition as I said, there's an understand, understanding that the scriptures are sacred uh, because they are saying about themselves that they are coming down and are revealed by God. Then these scriptures are lived and explained by saintly persons who have full realization of the conclusions of these scriptures, the full experience of the uh, altered stages of consciousness that are being described in these scriptures. And subsequently, these uh, saintly personalities are passing on their teachings from generation to generation to generation. So that means the, uh, the uh, disciplic succession or parampara. Uh, so in this way, there is uh, a check and balance between the, the scripture and the persons who realize the, uh, the conclusions of the scriptures. Not only are the scriptures of, of the Vedic literatures, at least, and particularly the Bhakti scriptures uh, section of the Vedas, not only are they surprised describing the Supreme Personality of Godhead, but they are also describing the uh, what happens when one begins to worship the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And it describes a whole process uh, which transforms the worshiper. And that the worshiper becomes uh, purified. And that the worshiper becomes elevated above the state of consciousness where he was. And uh, elevated in the sense that he gains a level of, of happiness that was not 
imaginable in, in, in any previous condition. He comes to a higher state of happiness and which is realized within, within his relationship with the Supreme Lord and not dependent on, on anything else, any other uh, external thing. Right? So that is our, uh, our counter argument uh, to, uh, to, to Nietzsche, yeah, who is presenting us this uh, 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 he responds particularly to Christianity and, and, and speaks a lot about repentance and lamentation over the long years of sinfulness. Uh, now, in uh, that's not really the uh, the process for the uh, for the Vaishnava, although there is an element of uh, of yeah of of of, uh, of rejecting one's previous sinful activities and feeling unfortunate for having engaged in sinful activities. Still, the focus of the Vaishnava in the Bhakti tradition is to focus on the Supreme Lord and on devotional service to that Supreme Lord and on the positive relationship. And uh, yeah, that is the uh, the main the main thing. Uh, that is the main thing to just invest in that service, in devotional service to the Supreme Lord, which is the real meaning of life, which is the real purpose of existence. Now, initially, this may be accepted by Shraddha, which, as James says, uh, we are getting from some, someone else. We're getting from the, uh, from the saintly person and the scripture. The saintly person aligns in realization with the descriptions of the scripture. He is uh, Roman Shakamba Shu Taranga Bajo. He is emotionally involved uh, in experiencing uh, symptoms of deep attachment to uh, the Supreme Lord. To him, nothing else has meaning in this world. The Lord uh, has become his, his shelter, and not just once, but consistent. And that is not so easy. Usually, uh, as it is explained, Chanchalam Himana Krishna, usually, we are restless. We cannot find any restless place, any resting place. We are trying here, we are trying there. Uh, but where is our resting place in this world? We've looked, we've looked for love, but could we stay there? What we found in this world? Uh, we look for fame. But whether fame state or whether whether our or whether our taste for it state. Uh, you see great celebrities hiding after hiding behind sunglasses, great great celebrities running away from fans. Uh, George Harrison uh, said Shama Sundar and George Harrison were in a hotel room and, uh, and fans were trying to break open the door. Right? And then as the fans, uh, as they just managed, as they just boldly smashed in the door, uh, George just dived in a chute, in, the laun in a laundry chute. There was a hole in the wall and one could just throw in the laundry and it would just come down to a central collection point. 
And George just jumped in and landed on the laundry and then moments late and moved away. And moments later, Shamasunda also landed there. And somehow or other, they got away. Uh, so the, what can be said? Celebrities running away from fans, uh, royalties being uh, frustrated by the constant scrutiny of the press. Uh, uh, all these things are just uh, showing us that fame, uh, fame is, is maybe not satisfying, not fulfilling the soul. Uh, so we can look for love in this world, we can look for fame in this world, we can look for power in this world, and how long can we keep it? And when we have it, even then we may have doubts. Is, is this all there is? Huh? Is this all there is? Yes. So in this way, um, we have, Nietzsche doesn't address this, right? He doesn't address the emptiness that one experiences in, in material life and looking here and there. And he doesn't acknowledge that uh, a person who is spiritually realized is different. He speaks about faith, but he doesn't speak about realized faith. Carl uh, Jung is interesting in this regard, that there is the famous interview with Carl Jung where they ask him, Mr. Jung, do you believe in God? He says, no, I don't believe in God. God is shocked. He's known as a religious man. Ten seconds later, he says, I know that God exists. Now we're coming to realized, uh, to, to an experience, to realized faith. So there's a distinction to be made with faith that is just mere belief and faith that is based on realization. So in the great saintly personalities, they are experiencing the presence of God and they develop deep attachment to him and they live in a relationship of service. And then they are uh, becoming satisfied and do not desire anything else. It is fulfilling. They, they just carry on with this. They don't need to. Uh, they don't need to, after some time, uh, find something else, change. They just stay there. I mean, stay there for the rest of their life. So how is this possible? That would be uh, another question to ask to Nietzsche if he was here today. Uh, um, so we've already asked two questions or two points we've raised. We have pointed out that there are scriptures which claim themselves to be not from man. And we've also pointed out that there is a disciplic succession of realized saintly personalities who represent these scriptures and bring them into real life. Uh, scriptures alone a sacred book without saintly personalities is not adequate uh, because then all we have is just the situation that Nietzsche describes, just that faith. But there where there is the realized personality who actually is, is finding fulfillment, then, uh, then it's another matter. Um, of course, you know, there can be, uh, there can be false fulfillment, not fulfillment coming from the uh, actual realization of the relationship with the Supreme Lord, but the realization that comes or the enjoyment that comes from having a position. Um, uh, this is called Tarangaranjini. 
enjoying the side benefits, uh, maybe taking a respectable position in an institution, in a spiritual institution, being worshipped, uh, being glorified, uh, being recognized for one's genius, are things that can, uh, can keep us going. Right? People dedicate themselves being the devil's advocate. Uh, uh, I could say people dedicate themselves for a lifetime to so many things. Uh, yes, that may be, but there's no fulfillment. Again, devil's advocate. But is there fulfillment uh, by those who are, uh, who, with those who are spiritual leaders? Uh, or are they also wearing a false mask of satisfaction? Mm. Well, I think the devil's advocate is trying to do a good job and uh, we appreciate. And we are not at all, uh, not at all arguing with the advocate uh, that there are such, uh, such cases existing, but we must also establish that there are true saintly persons that are truly dedicated. And that saintliness is, is also not stereotype. Um, that saintliness, you know, saintliness is, uh, is something that is, uh, it is said like, as there are birds that fly on different levels in the sky, in the same way there are devotees that are flying on different levels of realization of transcendental knowledge. Yes. So we, uh, we see different saintly persons with different saintly characteristics. All these things have been nicely, uh, nicely explained and, and categorized by uh, the Vaishnava Acharyas. Adhoshrada, first a level of faith, faith in teachings. Um, faith in a system of belief is also not just uh, sentimental, but it is because that many factors uh, are at least indicating, at least indicating that, uh, uh, that there might be truth to it. Okay, we take so many decisions based on faith. Uh, we, uh, we marry, generally speaking, based, based on faith. Uh, we don't marry and do a, a, a full scientific analysis uh, where we are doing a complete health check on a person where we're checking out the uh, genetic pool, where we get a full uh, psychological assessment, where we are doing a, a full criminal check, where we are uh, just doing uh, various, uh, various, various tests, right? intelligence tests and, and, and like testing various skill sets and so on until, you know, we get like a, uh, a complete, you know, a complete file, you know, with, a, with like all the details about a profile. Uh, we don't, um, we don't. We may do something, but it is some, some will do some astrology some, uh, yeah, but it is all, uh, there is a matter of faith and that faith is based on impression. Uh, there's an impression where say some initial, uh, some impressions that seem to uh, 
indicate certain qualities. So faith develops not just out of the blue, but faith develops on the basis of indications. In the Bhagavad Gita, also, there is the verse, Deinusmin yata dehe komaram yuvanam jara tata dehantara praptir diras tata namuyati. That just uh, as one goes through these different stages uh, of, of body throughout life, from youth to adulthood to old age and so on. And then similarly, at the time of death, one goes to another body. So that verse is not to be taken as uh, evidence or as empiric evidence. Right? It's not like that because it's not absolutely necessary as you go through different bodies, saying we're accepting once I had a child body, then I had a youth body, uh, you know, had an adult body, and then, the, you know, now I'm, I'm on the downward portion of the changing body's diorama, uh, getting old and, and wrinkled. Give it a few more years and all. Um, then, but, um, so, and then at the end of this life, Bhagavad Gita says in the same way, we go on to the next body. Well, that's not evidence, doesn't have to be so, but the Bhagavad Gita is saying, is that saying, no, this is not evidence, this is, but that it is an indication. Uh, there is a certain consistency throughout life. Therefore, that consistency can be an indication that uh, that we will change body again. Uh, so, uh, and we develop, one might develop some faith, a little bit, not maybe enough to tip the balance, but a little bit, say, well, okay, uh, yes, there's a consistency, it's possible. So, all right, yes, uh, makes sense that, you know, we can appreciate. Um, and in the end, um, the Bhagavad Gita presents us a whole system of belief. Uh, and uh, we may find other things. Let's say uh, that the... Uh, the three gunas, three beer guna mayer, huh? the three modes of material nature. All right, we may see the three modes of material nature. We find them described in the Gita, and then we look around us and we see these three modes of material nature. And we also appreciate that there are different states of consciousness attached to the three modes of material nature. Uh, that in the mode of ignorance, a person is intoxicated, lazy, and dirty, and that he's basically suffering. That in the mode of passion, a person is very attached and trying to enjoy the material energy and running after this and running after that, and is struggling very hard to be on top of the, of the situation so he can control it and exploit it and milk it. Um, and yet it's, it's still not working, so frustration is arising and so on. Moments of, of, of happiness seem to be there, and then again, frustration. And then the mode of goodness, the reflective situation, the philosophical situation. What is the, is there a meaning? Is there a purpose? What is, uh, what is the, is there, is there a meaning to life? Uh, all these experiences are we meant to, 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 uh, to learn something from this? And if so, what is it? Uh, is a human, what is the best a human being could do with life, in his life? Uh, these kind of, of questions are arising in the mode of goodness. 
And then we get answers. Don't do to someone else what you don't want to be done to yourself. All right. So we get that, that information from others. Um, we listen to it. This is not merely belief. Now we've identified a principle that uh, that could work because yes if we educate man is going through education to improve the quality of life above the level of animal existence otherwise we could just live a jungle life but then in a jungle life there are no principles so then we are just controlled by, uh, by our, uh, our drives and lust, greed, anger. And then the, you get brutal power. Uh, then brutal power rules. So wherever that exists in the world, uh, there is... Then there, there are then the, the brutal ruler needs to make a pact with others to be able to subjugate the masses. And so then we get an authoritarian state, an authoritarian situation. Yeah. Um, that is a situation which is not aimed at the happiness of all. Uh, that is aimed at the happiness of a few and the exploitation of others. So in the mode of goodness, we, we look at uh, higher than that is a understanding uh, and an arrangement which aims towards the happiness of all. And how can that be reached? Um, so we can see that the mode of goodness is not just a matter of a belief and someone else believes and now I also have to believe first it is the mode of goodness mm. and so principles of goodness principles of peace and of course okay that doesn't immediately imply God yet right it, it could be, but there's no absolute uh, uh, morality also exists without God. In humanism, uh, we just look at exactly at that, how to live a moral life altogether uh, and where the human coexistence is, is most beneficial for one another. You know? But then in the mode of goodness in the reflective mode, the question of the origin of everything um, is, is essential. The question of the origin is also uh, shedding light on the purpose. You know? So these questions will automatically uh, will will have to be addressed, have to be raised. Yes, and of course, okay. If the if the origin then is uh, you know if if Darwin comes in and, and, and then then with a biochemical uh, uh, origin and an evolution. Yeah, uh, then there's still uh, then there's a lot of complexity, uh, which is not so easy to answer. Uh, and then, yes, then an updated version of evolution. Uh, we are no longer going from like primitive, so-called primitive species, as as uh, as Darwin thought, to more complex species and even thinking about like one cell 
uh, celled creatures and then like more developed creatures, but even a cell, right, as we understand it now, is much more complex than Darwin thought it to be. Was speaking just about a nucleus and protoplasm, and uh, you know, like that, that was simple. And now we're looking at a model of a city. Uh, a cell is is like it has so many arrangements within it. It has certainly uh, it has like flagellants, which are uh, are entities that transport energies from one place to another. And these flagellants, they have propellers that have a huge RPN and, and can accelerate at incredible uh, strength and power way beyond uh, something we know here and, uh, and transport energy across the cell and um, if you look at, at models of the cell, then it's not so simple. So it just raises more questions, more and more, more and more questions. Yes. So we are, uh, are, are just only, only considering that, um, yeah, the more we dive into the detail of the uh, of 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 everything within this world, the more we find the the complexity of it, and so it raises it doesn't uh, make it any easier to solve the question of its origin, um, and 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 it doesn't help us to look at a uh, uh, biochemical origin. Now, modern uh, evolution theories are no longer based on, on biochemistry and on, uh, on a, um, but are more genetic, right? And uh, there is a concept uh, that we see that the genes of certain species are, uh, and the genetic mapping of certain species are, are similar. For example, in chimpanzees and men. Uh, therefore, genetically, it is possible to uh, look at a common, a common ancestor between the uh, the monkeys and man, the chimpanzee and man. And so in other species also, various categories, and they have all similar genetics. So we can make groups with similar genetics and then look for a common ancestor of those particular species. Then we'll wind up with a whole group of common ancestors of various species, then we can look for the common ancestor of the common ancestors. Yeah, we, uh, we have no difficulty with it. Then we come to Lord Brahma. He is the common ancestor. And, uh, and we see that in the Vedic literature, the... Uh, the creation, according to Vedic concepts, is not happening all at once, but it happens in, in badges, uh, and, and in certain badges, Lord Brahma manifests the various species, species not in six days right, of, of earthly time, not even in six days of his time, but just in various badges over time. Anyway, so there's a, a, in the Vedic literature, there's a creation concept. Hmm. Lengthy debate has been there uh, between artificial intelligence 
and the um, yeah, and the um, oh, oh, sorry, not uh, excuse me. I drank tea and I got distracted. Between uh, either intelligent design, yes, or simply things evolving by chance. And uh, by chance, it's not so simple. So um, there are plenty of indications on the side of intelligent design. One cannot uh, just uh, uh, dismiss it so easy, yes. So in this way, our, uh, our Nietzsche, uh, maybe a great writer, with a, with, a, with a wonderful pen. I mean, look, you know, whoever has theologian blood in his veins um, has a wrong and dishonest attitude towards all things from the very first. Yeah. But, okay, a theologian is also something. Uh, a theologian is basically approaching the absolute truth through, he might approach it from an ascending process, from starting from ignorance, from not knowing, and then collecting more and more, uh, more and more indicate, more evidence, more logic, and so on, and gradually building up a pyramid of, of faith, fine. But there is another level of theology which is based on descending knowledge. Knowledge that descends through sacred scripture and subsequently uh, realized, realized saints who have realized the conclusions of these scriptures and so who are teachers, living teachers of living knowledge. Right? And then uh, that theology is no longer a, uh, a theoretical thing based on faith, but then the, that theology becomes something based on experience. Okay, so we have spent some time arguing with... Uh, The logical reason of man operates in this health of divinity exactly as it has always operated in, in love or in patriotism or in politics or in any other of the wider affairs of life in which our passions or our mystical intuitions fix our beliefs forehand. It finds arguments for our conviction, for indeed it has to find them it amplifies, it amplifies and defines our faith and dignifies it and lends it words and plausibility. It hardly ever engenders it. It cannot now secure it. Yeah, but this is like faith stuck on the lower levels, right? Um, it's at Adoshrada. So first there's the initial faith, then uh, which are, is based on indications uh, and, and based on... Um, on, on, on association of others who are more realized in a particular system of belief. Then one chooses to be in the association of such persons uh, who are more conversant with a particular faith. Then in the association uh, of one takes up a practice, a practice which is designed to bring about a transformation. This is known as Bhajana Kriya. Then, the, as the transformation is taking place, uh, first of all, there's purification, purification from uh, all kinds of uh, contaminations. Uh, and that purification is, uh, is, is, uh, is, is taking place, and one, uh, one loses certain vices. Uh, lust, greed, anger, madness, illusion, and envy are diminishing. 
And as they are diminishing, uh, and one is no longer so much in the grip of these, uh, of these negative emotions, a judgment is added here because they cause suffering. And suffering we are defining as negative. Therefore, lust, greed, anger, illusion, madness, and envy are judged to be negative because they cause suffering. Suffering to ourselves, suffering to others. And sometimes it begins with the suffering of others, but that comes back in suffering to us. Uh, so these things cause suffering. So uh, these things are... Uh... Now lust is something that goes to the core of our being and lust and passions. So such lust and passions then are meant to be, be regulated uh, in society. We cannot merely ban them from society. Even greed, we cannot just ban it from society. A man wants to possess, all right, possess, but within limits. So you must purchase, you must pay with the fruits of your labor. And then you may possess, of course, maybe you inherited something, but then you are living on the fruits of your ancestors' labor and you'll get a certain... Uh, so, something called your possessions and your lust within marriage. Uh, but there, and, and then it will bring happiness and distress. Uh, there is no marriage which is above happiness and distress. And then, uh, so, uh, there may be a person who is beyond it. Uh, yesterday, we were discussing from Ecclesiastics, uh, there's a time to embrace and a time, time to refrain from embrace. So, a person may, uh, may realize that actually when I'm free from, from such relationships, then my life becomes so much more simple and I'm able to, uh, to save time, to save energy, to, uh, to be emotionally free to uh, enter into a relationship with the Supreme Lord. Uh, when we are emotionally burdened in so many other relationships, uh, and our emotions are just uh, in a roller coaster right? in, in, in another relationship, how can we get absorbed in our relationship with the Supreme Lord? Uh, the roller coaster of of our emotions keeps us so much, uh, so much uh, engaged that how can we actually focus on Krishna? Um, therefore, uh, there's an advantage on being free from, uh, from so many relationships that cause us so much, uh, so many roller coaster emotions. And better, then we invest uh, all our expectations, all our needs for relationship in the relationship with Krishna. Uh, and there we will find then um, our, uh, our, our deeper level of satisfaction. In this way, uh, saintly persons gradually say goodbye to the, to the relationships of this world. And they are no longer emotionally investing in these, these things. It doesn't mean that they have no, uh, no love for, uh, for their fellow men and women. And no, they have, they have love for all species in the world, but always in relation to the Supreme Lord and always in relation of how to deepen and strengthen our relationship with the Supreme Lord. 
So any relationship with with a, with a with a, a living being, uh, or any relationship with the with the world, uh, with all the other energy in the world, is simply governed by this principle: how to uh, how to to increase the loving relationship with the Supreme Lord. And so we have friendships uh, based on the principle, how to increase a loving relationship in the world. And so we have marriages, which are also based, how to increase our loving relationship with the Lord. And so we have business, uh, how, to, how to use all these things to increase our loving relationship with the Lord. And we have governance. And so how to, how to engage these things in increasing our loving relationship with the Lord. And we have children. And we just bring up these children and educate them in how to increase our loving relationship with the Lord. And so society begins to center about how to increase our loving relationship with the Lord. And this um, is, uh, is ultimately uh, the very purpose of the Lord, uh, how to increase the loving relationship between him and each living being. And this, and, and as the living beings see that the love for the Supreme Lord is increasing, then the, the loving relationship between them, themselves will also increase. And in this way, we could have a word, a world without, uh, without keys, without walls, without locks, without, uh, without barriers, without borders, um, without division, Without, uh, without nations, without class, with, we could become a world of Paramahansas. Uh, if the whole world would be focused on, uh, on, on, on increase our love of God, uh, we wouldn't even, even Varna Ashram, uh, would no longer be needed because Farna Ashram is only a crutch, is only a support system for to walk on the path of cultivation of spiritual knowledge when we are lacking in love of God. When love of God is there, then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says, I'm not any of these, of these uh, four ashrams or four varnas. I am simply the servant of the servant of the servant of the servant of the, uh, of the pure devotee of the Lord. This is the, uh, the transcendental principle. And why not a whole transcendental society? Uh, the aim of, of this movement is certainly to create a, a society which is fully transcendental, fully aimed at pure love of God. Mm. Yeah. So William James and so far as man stands for anything and is productive or originative at all, his entire uh, function may be said to have to deal with maybes. Not a victory is gained, not a deed of faithlessness or courage is done except upon a maybe. Not a service, not a sally of generosity, 
not a scientific exploration or experiment or textbook. That may not be a mistake. It is only by risking our persons from one hour to another that we live at all. And often enough, our faith beforehand in an uncertified result is the only thing that makes the result come true. Suppose, for instance, that you're climbing a mountain and have worked yourself into a position from which the only escape is by a terrible leap. Hmm. Have faith that you can successfully make it and that your feet uh, are... Uh, Oh, some, some, uh, some, something was missed in the scan, uh, but, and your feet are, are uh, suited, you know, it's not the right word, but I'm guessing, suited to its accomplishness or equipped to its accomplishment, but mistrust yourself. And think of all the sweet things you've heard the scientists say of maybes, and you will hesitate so long that at last, all unstrung and trembling and launching yourself in a moment of despair, you roll in the abyss. In such a case, and it belongs to an enormous class, the part of wisdom as well as of courage is to believe what is the line of your needs. For only by such belief is the need fulfilled. Refuse to believe and you shall indeed be right. You shall irretrievably perish but believe and again you shall be right for you save yourself you make one or the other of two possible universes true by your trust and mistrust both universes have been only maybes and is particular beyond your contributed before your contributor to act William James is life worth living yeah I like this William James that the maybes and I like the metaphor of coming on a mountain and we are in a situation where we have to just make a leap. You know, somehow or other we found ourselves in a place where there's a deep, deep abyss, a deep gap, and we cannot really go back. We have, we can't climb back the way we came and Somehow or other we've come here and now the only way is to go forward and we will have to somehow or other make the impossible leap. And if we just somehow or other get ourselves in the frame of mind, I can do it, I will do it, uh, then maybe we'll do it. But if we just base ourselves on, on reason and we say, no, I can't do this. So reason alone uh, falls short. And sometimes it is belief that will carry us to the other side. That is what, uh, what James says. And um, I can relate to that because I have uh, many times told the story that as, as kids, we would jump across in my country. Uh, there are many, the land is flat. There's a lot of water. There are many fields and between the fields there are little canals and one can jump across the canals uh, but then you get like the big ones and who can jump across the big ones and people say no and that somehow or other um, it becomes possible it becomes possible to do the impossible and that faith can can make a man do the impossible. All right, all right, all right. This is this is true, but uh, not only faith, not only belief, without realization. We also want to to see that at least there is a man who can jump across that incredible gap. Uh, the master. We want to see a master before before uh, we venture out on such a big jump. We want to see a pure devotee because before we say, okay, I buy into this. Um, we are not blind believers. Uh, come, 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 come to the spiritual marketplace. 
Yes, meditation, yes, yes, yes. Ah, breathe in one nostril, breathe one in out. All right, yes, interesting. Yes, 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 come, come to the spiritual marketplace. Come to my shop, come to my corner. All right, yes, here is a process. Spin your head around in circles. Spin it around in circles for a long time and you will see the light. Yeah, I mean, uh, I believe that, but is that spiritual or is that simply because uh, the blood is going into places where it usually doesn't go? And I mean, I can see spots in front of my eyes when my blood pressure changes. So, oh, skeptical. The skeptic is walking through the spiritual marketplace, looking here, looking there. Shall I buy? Shall I not buy into this philosophy? No, uh, not just like that. I want to see some personalities with realization. Uh, without, without the examples of the saintly persons who have realized transcendental knowledge, and who have the, the results, we will not buy. Uh, we, today, I'm sitting here in an orange dress. Uh, first of all, because of great teachers, because of great personalities. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't do this. Mm, I wouldn't buy it. No. I'm as skeptical as anyone else. But I can also see that blind adherence to, to, uh, to skepsis, to being skeptical, is just another type of faith. So when a saintly person is presenting himself, then it is my time to test. So I will suspend disbelief, I'll read the books, and then test that personality against, against the books, and my faith will increase. And so, I will meet other great personalities who are consistent, consistent in their spiritual practice, and who become free, uh, free from from lust, who live, or at least to a large degree, even if there would be traces. But if someone is living a lifetime of celibacy and actually doing it, actually doing it, and if someone is, is living a lifetime yeah, that, that celibacy is simply to be free from all the passions and all the entanglement from it and actually focuses on a higher goal. Uh, is there no saintliness? There uh, we can begin to see that qualities develop. Um, Saint Francis of Assisi is not an ordinary man. Was by no, no means. Um, great thinkers, Great thinkers like Socrates and Plato, they were not just, just ordinary persons. They had deep realizations. Socrates was ready to face death without fear. That's not a simple thing. Um, so in this way, we are appreciating, uh, we are appreciating the... Um, that, that faith right, is not just a leap made on belief, but as, as James said, faith is, is about taking the faith from someone else. Not just taking the sentiment from someone else, but taking knowledge from someone else and seeing that that knowledge is giving a consistent indication of truth and then seeing in that person realizations living by that knowledge which purifies him from from vices 
and seeing that he develops qualities of uh, that are laudable, uh, compassion and, and kindness and love and selflessly working for the welfare of all. And then we can see, yes, we develop faith in such a person, even beyond what can be proven. And, and then we're ready, then we're ready to make a leap, a leap of faith. But not that one can live on the side of faith just after having made that leap of faith. After having made the leap of faith and one is on the side of faith, then that faith must be realized. Otherwise, it will hollow out over time and one will lose it again. And one will somehow rather think of jumping back, jumping back to the other side. And that Nietzsche describes in the end, and thus spake Zarathustra about the ascetic who sat in the cave and meditated for so long. And then one day he had the great realization and he came down to the hill. And if they would only knew, and people were waiting, waiting for him to reveal his gift to the world. And his gift was, there is no God. That was his realization. So he made the leap of faith, went into the cave, and then it got hollowed out by lack of realization until finally he jumped back to the side of no faith. So as one makes the jump, uh, after having received faith, by after having received knowledge from, from those who have faith, after having received, after having seen their example, and one jumps to the side of faith, then one has to also get realizations of that faith in order to remain there. And one has to grow in one's love, love for the Supreme Lord and for all living beings. And what can be greater, what can be greater than to have love for the Supreme Lord and love for all living beings and love for the entire world and creation. That is the state of consciousness, which is beyond madness. And any other state of consciousness is afflicted by, net, by madness. And whether it is the madness of just indulging in, in sense enjoyment, or whether it is the madness of philosophical wrangling and intellectualism, or whether it is the madness of just being intoxicated and wallowing in dirt and misery, whatever madness it is, all different flavors of madness until we have fully come to the stage of pure love of God. Thank you, thank you. It was a pleasure to be with you again. I went a little long today, but that's all right. Uh, I hope you found it interesting and, uh, and uh, we'll carry on a little longer uh, with these east-west, uh, with these east-west uh, discussions. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna.